Welcome to our Through the Bible study here on Bible In-Depth Network with Alex. In our study, we look at the context of Scripture and how it applies to our daily lives. We also believe that there's no limitation to the revelation of the Word God. Let's study together today. Yes, praise be to God. I hope you're safe. I hope the Lord has kept you safe and sound. This is a day that the Lord has met. We shall rejoice and we shall be glad in it. Thank you for joining us for our time of the study of the Word of God. And here we study the Bible. We aim to study from the book of Genesis to Revelation. And by the grace of God, we have done the Old Testament. We finished that. And we are now handling the New Testament. And we have looked at 18 chapters of the New Testament. Today I want us to continue with chapter 19. And uh, chapter 19 says, When Jesus had finished these words, uh, he departed from Galilee and came into the region of Judea beyond the Jordan. Jesus was always on the move. Yeah, The ministry that he had come to do, the work that he had come to do, was not going to be just for a few. His ministry had to encompass everybody. He had to move from place to place, preaching the word of God, which is clear to us as well that when it comes to ministry, we are not limited to a given location. We have got to preach the gospel. We've got to preach the gospel to all corners of our nation. We've got to preach the gospel to all corners of the world, through all mediums, and even just this medium, this platform that uh, is ministering to you today, also has the aim to reach everywhere in the world, which God enables us to do through this uh, platform. And Jesus is saying, I have to go everywhere. It's not because of a given location that I may like. Even places that he's disliked, he reached. Some of them, he spent just a little time, but still he reached because you have got to get everywhere and preach the gospel. There is no boundary. You preach to every nation. You preach to every tribe. You preach to every single person. Yeah? And he's now moving, and the beauty of all this, large crowds followed him, the Bible tells us. And when they followed him, they followed him for a number of, of reasons. Some just wanted to see what does he do? How does he do it? Some wanted to see the greatness of this man that had come. Others wanted to witness the miracles that were going on. They wanted to see, okay, how do people get healed? Is it even real? And some of them, or many of them, actually had been converted. They believed in him. And they were setting aside everything else to follow Christ. And the Bible tells us the large crowds that followed him, he healed them there. He did not have limitations. He would heal them. He would pray for them and they would be healed where they went. Some Pharisees came to Jesus. They were of course part of the crowds that would follow. Because in the crowds that follow you, some may have ill intentions. It is very difficult for you to have a crowd, and it is all wishing well. Among the crowd are people who might not wish the best. And even 
if it happened with the case of Jesus that with the crowd that he moved with, there were those who always wanted to look for a fault so that they can kill him, these Pharisees that we are talking about here. It implies if it happened with Jesus, it will happen to you. When crowds follow, you will have those who wish the the best for you, and you will also have those who wish to bring you down, who wish to bring trouble. So never be misjudged or never take it for granted that because very many are following you, then they are all on your side. No. These Pharisees were part of the crowd that came. And the Bible says they were testing him and asking. Somehow they always made their way to the top. With all these large groups, they were the ones at the front. Those who wish the worst sometimes are at the forefront. And they're the ones that you see. They're the ones that are close to you. So, they make their way to the front all the time because reason, they have an opportunity to speak to him. So, now they come to him and they're testing him and they're asking, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any reason at all? Now, the question they're posing to Jesus is an interesting one. It has been a subject of discussion for hundreds and hundreds of years in Israel. And is it, they ask, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any reason? Like, any reason? Can I divorce my wife because she doesn't cook well? That's what they're asking. Can I divorce my wife because she doesn't dress well? That's what they're asking. And he answered and said, Have you not read? Now Jesus is responding to them. He says, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? Jesus takes them back to the creation, day of creation. He says when he made them, when God made them from the beginning, he made them male and female. And said, hmm? he brings them to what God said at creation. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. Hmm? That is also important to see his wife, not his wives. His wife and the two shall become one flesh. He's asking them, didn't you read about that? That when he created them male and female, he also says, for this reason, a man shall leave his father. There comes a time where you've got to leave your father, where you've got to leave your mother, and you are joined to your wife. This is a season set for man to do. This is a season set for men to do. And the two become one flesh. That is always a mystery. How two becomes one. Because when you get one plus one, the normal mathematics says that is two. But when it comes to these issues of union, as God set them, when you add one plus one, the answer is one. Because they become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. The moment you are joined in marriage, you become one. And it is important for us to know that that it, when you when they say that you've become one, it happens in all aspects. It is us who choose to make it seem like there are two houses or there are two parties in one house. But you are meant to become one. When you become one flesh, it means everything that is done is done in union. You plan together. 
you have companionship together. Yeah? Everything spiritually, you have one union. When you make a prayer to God and it is done as one, as a union, you get better results. That's why you see blessings for a united couple. That's why you see blessings come for a marriage that is united and is following principles that are set by God. You don't have to be in a house and you got married, but there is always war. That is not oneness because in oneness is peace. In oneness is, is joy. In oneness is freedom. In oneness is abundance. In oneness, God answers prayer. In oneness, you can move mountains. So he says, so they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. Jesus is taking a history lesson to the Pharisees. And he is saying, that is what God did in the beginning. That was God's intention. And by the way, I need to let you know that he also said that what has been joined together, let no man separate. By let no man, it includes you Pharisees. You're not supposed to officiate a separation. It is not supposed to happen. There is no synagogue official that is meant to separate anyone. And Jesus is telling them this, that that is the intention of God. That is what it was, that nobody should separate. Now, I wonder what the disciples are thinking at this point. They're saying, okay, is Jesus saying divorce is not allowed? Because we've been doing it. We've been officiating it. So they come up and ask him in verse 7. So they say to him, why then did Moses command to give her a certificate of divorce and send her away? So now they're saying to Jesus, okay. We've heard what you've said. God's intention was that there should be no divorce at all. Nobody should separate that which uh, God has joined together. So now, why did Moses, that man that we talk about, the one who led us from captivity in Israel and brought us out, the hero of Israel, the man of God, how come for him he said that it's okay if you give her a certificate of divorce, then she can go away. And this certificate of divorce, of course, uh, from, from how we studied straight from the law, um, Deuteronomy chapter 24, verse 1 to 4, it says, When a man takes a wife and marries her, then it shall be, if she find no favor in his eyes, because he has found some unseemingly thing in her, that he may write, that he shall write her a bill of divorce, which is a certificate of divorce, and give it in her hand and send her out of his house. This was a requirement that if this marriage is not working well, get a divorce and give it over. And when she is departed out of his house, she may go and be another man's wife. That is something that they talked about, yeah? Uh, and they had given permission, as far as you had the certificate, of divorce. So this is the subject of discussion here. They're saying he permitted it. He spoke about in the law that if I'm tired, I can just write one and give it away. And Jesus said to them, 
Because of your hardness of heart. Whose hardness of heart? The people of Israel. The people that Moses was leading at that time. And he says, because of your hardness of heart, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning, it has not been this way. Divorce was not supposed to happen. What God has joined together is not meant to be separated. And he's speaking, telling the Pharisees that this that is happening today was not meant to be. A man had to stay with their wife, irrespective of anything. So, I said to you, now Jesus adds this word, because he says, okay, let me let you know why Moses did what he did. He did it because of your hardness of heart. But that was not the intention from the start. God intends that we stay together. God intends that that which has been joined together stays together. He has no interest in divorce. And now, Jesus adds to it in verse 9 and says, And I said to you, whoever divorces his wife except for immorality and marries another woman commits adultery. Now, Jesus brings a clause that is key and he puts an exception for divorce and says that exception is immorality. Other versions will tell you sexual immorality to make it a lot more clear uh, for you. Yeah, Even in Matthew chapter 5, 5 verse 32 says, But I say to you that everyone who puts away his wife, saving for the cause of fornication, makes her an adulteress, and whosoever shall marry her, when she is put away, commits adultery. Let me explain that a bit. Jesus here says, if you have been caught in adultery, if you have been caught to be sexually impure, yeah, then there is a reason for divorce to happen. And in this case, remember, in the time that these men are living, in the times of the Pharisees, the woman was not even considered as far as divorce matters are concerned. It is the man. It is the man who would choose to leave. The woman, you would stick there. You would not go and have a hearing before committee because it was not supposed to be heard of. It was the men who had that right to get out and ask for it, that this woman is doing this. So there's not much being given to us about the acts, actions of men and how for them, if they were the ones that were not doing the right thing, that the woman had the right to come and say, okay, you're not taking care of the children, I'm going. Yeah? So it was a bit harsh on them. But now when Jesus comes out here to speak, he says, if there is an exception of immorality, and this does not only stay with the woman, but even the man, there is a permission here that has been granted to both groups, to the men and to the women, that you, if, when, when it is brought out, because this sexual immorality does not happen for one party only, it paints a picture that if the man has been unfaithful, then there is grounds to discuss. If the woman has been unfaithful, then there is also grounds to discuss. And he says, that is the exception that I give. Because 
these people here would divorce over any issue if you did not cook good food if the bread that you made was not good enough then they would find reason for you to leave if they found that you're not attractive anymore they would say okay i need to give you a certificate of divorce and you go if they felt like there's somebody who is better that they've seen on the street then they would say okay i think it's time to go because i have reason jesus comes out and makes all that clear and says it is only on grounds of sexual immorality that this is permissible only on grounds of sexual immorality and today people divorce for all kinds of reasons i'm no longer happy he no longer makes me happy she no longer gives me the vibes i'm tired i want to leave and all reasons that have been set for divorce today or most of the reasons do not match what jesus says here she does not cook well so you want to go yeah you have misunderstanding communication is not good so you want to go grounds given here when jesus is talking to the pharisees and this still applies to us today because he speaks to them as he speaks to us today that the only grounds permissible are if there's been sexual immorality and he makes it even clear to us that if divorce has happened and the grounds are not sexual immorality if this man or this woman marries another person they are committing adultery if she was not cooking good food and the divorce happens and she goes and gets another man and the reason was she was not cooking good food that's why she left her home and gets another man then when we read in Matthew 5:32 it says i said to you that everyone who puts away his wife save for the cause of fornication or sexual immorality makes her an adulteress and whosoever shall marry her when she is put away commits adultery any next relationship for somebody who has had a divorce that does not lie on grounds of sexual immorality but rather i got tired of the man he does not talk well he is poor you know all those things are grounds now for people to divorce if you divorce a man because he's poor and that is the only reason that has caused this divorce to happen and you go and get another or enter another relationship then you commit adultery because the grounds that Jesus sets and these are words that he says himself i'm reading them from the bible i'm not picking them from mars no it is here and Jesus is saying that if anything has been done if a relationship has been ended if a marriage has been ended and it is not under grounds of sexual immorality those who enter that relationship a new relationship the next relationship that this woman gets into is one of adultery and it is being committed she becomes an adulteress and even the man that she gets married to is committing adultery now that's what jesus tells these uh, pharisees and the disciples say to him if the relationship of the man with his wife is like this it is better not to marry now 
issue of people not wanting to marry is not new. People have been scared of marriage even since the days of Jesus. Why? Because it takes in a lot for you to be married and keep married and stay married because that takes the blessing of God. That takes a level of maturity. That takes a level of forgiveness because there are so many things that you will witness in a marriage that are not for the weak-hearted. But if people have decided to stay together, they will stay together. If people have decided to love one another, they will love unconditionally. And these disciples now look at the grounds Jesus has set. And for them, from what they've been taught by the Pharisees and the rabbis and uh, all those guys who were teaching them, they felt it was okay to divorce. It's okay. If she's not cooking good anymore, if you found somebody new on the street and you're tired of this one, get another one. And now when Jesus makes it clear, they realize there are going to be so many adulterers that are walking around. Like, you know what, Jesus? If that is how things are, it is better not to marry. And there are so many people today who fear marriage because they fear that they might divorce. They fear that the other party may not live up to it or even themselves that they may not be up to the game. It is not new. It has happened before. And the disciples have raised this issue before to Jesus and told him, we fear that this thing can even work. But he said to them, not all men can accept this statement. Yeah? But only those to whom it has been given. What you've said about not marrying, yes, it happens, but not to all men. Uh, not all men have to get married. He also makes it clear. And, uh, you know, this discussion of people getting married is huge. We've held it a number of times in different groups and in different setups. But you might not want to get married yet all the activity that you're doing in the secret is the one that is done in marriage. You do not come out and put yourself in this bracket. If you've, and, and we read in scripture that if you can't control yourself and you're living in sin, you're living in sexual immorality, then it's better you get married instead of continuing to sin. But now Jesus says here, yes, it's true, not all shall marry. For in verse 12 he says, there are eunuchs who were born that way from their mother's womb. Yeah, People who are born with the, without some of those parts of their body Yeah, that uh, are used in this affair. Then he says, and there are eunuchs who are made eunuchs by men, yeah? And uh, now those are the ones that have had some, uh, their, their parts, their sexual uh, organs removed by men because that also used to happen. And by the way, remember that uh, some of these, if you go back to the law, were not even permitted to enter the temple if, this, if you were a eunuch by that manner, yeah? And then he also brings the third group there are also eunuchs made who made themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. There are those who say for us we shall not uh, go ahead and enter such relationships because we are saving it. Everything, all that we are, we set it out for serving God. We shall not have affairs with women. So, he who is able to accept this, let him accept it. Jesus says, if you're willing to be a eunuch, so be it. 
But remember, if you're deciding to be a eunuch, then be that. Don't live a double standard. You do not want to marry, but then you're having affairs. You don't want to get married, but then you're having affairs. Then you are walking in sin. You're not walking in the light. So that is the discussion that Jesus has with the people, with the disciples here. And they have uh, such a moment that was interesting discussing marriage, discussing divorce. And from the end of the discussion, they realized, you know what? I think it is better we don't tread this ground because we do not know how we might be when we get married because we have only been left with one ground of divorce. That is sexual immorality. And I want, as we conclude today, to just make it clear that the intention of God from the beginning was not that there is divorce. He actually says what God has joined together, let no man separate. His intention is that we live in harmony with one another, that we forgive one another, that we love one another. But let us not take that for granted and take the partners we are with for granted to start living recklessly because we feel they shall have the grace to forgive. One might have the grace to forgive. The other might come and refer to Jesus and say, with sexual immorality, I can't stay in this. So we pray for the grace, dear Lord. We pray for mercy. We pray for direction in marriages. We pray, Lord, that you bind together that which you've joined. That you help us focus and wish the best for our spouses. And we do the best for them. Because it is your desire that what you have joined together, no man separates. We pray for your hand. We pray for your mercy. We pray for your favor over all marriages today. And even for somebody who may be going through a tough time and divorce is looming, we pray, dear Lord, that you come and help them. Rekindle the fire. Rekindle the love. Make things new. Because your desire from the beginning was that no man separates that which you have joined together. We give you glory and honor. In Jesus' my name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for our study today. We believe that the world of God is alive and new each day. Open your heart and let God speak to you. You can also access our teachings through our Podbean channel or reach us through our website, bibleindepth.com.